Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Let's go to Philippians, and I'm going to pick up where we left off, do a little review here. Uh, I'm not going to go through uh, kind of the background again. If you want to get that or didn't get that, you can go back and listen to the previous message and, and get that. But uh, we were in Philippians chapter 3. I suppose I should turn there. You know, the Lord's really, I appreciate your prayers. Um, the Lord's really, he's working on me. I, uh, you know how you go through stages in spiritual growth? I mean, at least you should be. <laughs> okay, if you're not, then something's awry somewhere. In other words, and sometimes people think, oh, spiritual growth, that means God's going to point out all my mistakes, you know. That's not how it works with the Lord. Um, it's not that he doesn't, you know, correct us and direct us, but he, he grows us in stages, and he, how many know he knows how to make uh, spiritual food bite size? okay? So God is not, there, so presentation has something to do with how you minister to somebody. I heard somebody say this years ago, and I don't think I've perfected it, but I'm, I want to do it, I want to increase in these things. You know, any believer, and I'm, I'm not talking about, I want to become a better public speaker. That's not what I'm talking about, because I am not a public speaker. Now, I've had people that took Toastmasters that said they thought I did. No, I've never taken anything. I've gotten under the anointing, and it just takes me. And, uh, but I have carnality, so that's a problem if you haven't noticed. It's there. So, but that's what spiritual maturity is. You grow out of things, and it takes time. How many have, had, have kids, and they go through the stages, and they grow, and they develop? And certain things, you know, it's like, are you going to get it here? Or, you know, and I think the Lord's do it, done that with me a couple of times. Are you going to get it here? Or... You know, and I'm like, Lord, yes, thank you for your mercy. <laughs> we'll get it. But, um, but along the way, I heard a minister say one time, he said, presentation is important in the sense of not what the world calls presentation, but the sweetness of the lips increases learning. A word fitly spoken is like what? Yeah. It's, it's precious. It's, you know, you can, you can go, here's a glob of gold, Pfft. you know, or you can turn it into something beautiful. And it's worth, it's worth both ways. It's worth something. You know, it's like people come to you for some spiritual advice and you go, there's a steak, eat it. You know, it'd be nice if you'd tenderize it and, you know, flavor it and, and grill it. You know, don't just slap it on the plate, you know. And so that's what spiritual maturity at times, that's what it means to me. You're learning how to disagree agreeably. You're learning how to uh, love people and not uh, react out of your flesh to them, but still speak truth, you know. Um, and so growing spiritually and things like this is what the Lord's been dealing with me about in just in different areas because I've found out with the Lord you never stop needing to change. 
And it's interesting because you already have everything you need in you. Huh. You know, it's like brain freeze. You know what I mean? But you need that. And this is what else I've noticed about the Lord. He loves the process. He loves the process. And I'm like, let's get to the end. He's like, nope. In fact, since you're acting like that, we're going to sit down. <laughs> yes, Lord, you know. You know. <laughs> I'll sit down. <laughs> One of the things that, and this is where this is coming from, like even the thankfulness as far as, because there are times in my life where, I haven't gotten to the message yet, but this really seems to be on my heart, so I'm going to finish it. There are times in my life where I've, I've treated people, even as a pastor, as a means to an end. How many pastors want to get up and admit that? <laughs> Tom's waving at me over there. I've done it. Why? Well, i got a job to do. I'm a doer. i got things to get done. And you're in my way. <laughs> So, I know none of you could imagine that with my personality. <laughs> but we'll hand the mic out later, and you can all get up. My name is so-and-so. <laughs> but, but I noticed that, and so the Lord's changing that in me to where you, he starts moving your heart and changing you, and you see things differently, and you realize you, what happens, and it happens through this, through when I'm studying the word, when I'm working with people in my prayer time. These are things Heidi and I have talked about. We're, I mean, we're in agreement on things and we're believing God for things for each other. And I mean, there are things, the Lord showed me things that I was not uh, utilizing the gift that he had put in her for certain things. And he made me repent in sackcloth and ashes. I shaved my head. I would, you know. No, not really. But I did. It broke me because I was like, oh. And the other day, we were talking about a few things, and, I, and then I was just laying on my bed meditating on some scriptures and different things. And it's just like the Lord said to me, they're my people. They're my children. But it's not just hearing those. You know, the Lord says something to you, but you feel it all the way through you. It's different. And, and I believe we're headed to a place of, you know, we've seen awesome things, but we have our hearts right. God will just, just give it all. You know what I mean? So I'm excited about that. Because, and it is, it's, it's, there's no way to manage or control it. You know what I mean by that? It's not that you don't do things like decently in order, but it's like God's moving so much that it's hard to keep up with what's happening. I mean, do you think the disciples were able to catalog everything that happened in Jesus' ministry? I mean, it's written in the book that it, they couldn't write it all in the book. You know? And uh, I was watching a... I saw it just, I don't even know who, if anybody posted it, but it was something on Facebook on, under the videos where a lady had been baptized that her legs weren't working. 
She was, but she went and gave her heart to Jesus. And as soon as she got out of the water, instantly healed. Completely healed. Completely healed. And she had something else wrong with her. I don't remember what it was, but she, it was something with her throat or she didn't want to drink or eat. It was very painful. And she said, bring me a bottle of water. And she was just like, she was like kind of almost panic, but so excited it had to be how it was with the man at the gate, beautiful, where he's just jumping and leaping because his legs were healed. And he's running through the synagogue in a non-pious way, praising God, jumping up and down. You know? It had to be that way because this lady, she was, she grabbed the bottle of water and people were like, slow down, slow down. She's like, no. And she's just chugging that bottle of water, completely healed. Just a miracle of the Lord, just boom. And uh, it just was, and she was, she kept saying this. She hit, the, she hit her knees afterwards, and she was laying kind of prostrate on the ground, and she said, he loves us so much. She just kept saying that over and over again. And that's what we need in manifestation to counter what the world is offering, what the enemy is offering to the world. That's what we need. That's what we need. And it comes with truth, but it's the motivation behind the truth. Because I can, I can be right and be wrong. <laughs> right? Because you can speak truth without love. But the, the, the wonderful thing about this is, is you can't speak love without truth in the sense, they're connected in the sense of, if you're really going to love somebody, you have to speak truth. So it's not that we don't speak truth, but what is Jesus offering? What did he offer us? Did he offer us conditions? No. He offered us grace. He didn't offer, he didn't say, if you clean up your life, then I'll accept you. He said, come as you are, and I'll clean up your life. Thank God, because none of us would be here. None of us would be saved. Nobody would be saved. Amen? All right. Is that all right? I apologize for treating you as a means to an end. <laughs> if I did. <laughs> I mean, I don't have details, okay? So, <laughs> but, but I know the Lord's just dealing with me about that more and more and more. And it's, uh, it's humiliating <laughs> to your flesh, which is okay. That's all right. My flesh ain't that important anyway. I mean, it's already started to wrinkle. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's already started to, you know... <laughs> I'm not 18 anymore. Do you remember when you were a kid and you were like rubber? Some people are like, nope. <laughs> uh, those were the days, I'll tell you. <laughs> but that's all right. The Lord will sustain us all the way through to the end. Amen? All right. So previously, we'll see what we get through here because I hope you got something so far because we didn't actually teach very much. So far, but we'll get a few things in here. Previously, we looked at the fact that we need to be doers of the word, uh, that that's very important. We saw in verse 1 of chapter 3 that we are to rejoice in the Lord, and this is to be a continuous operation in our lives. 
we should welcome the repeated exhortation to rejoice in the Lord as well. We also saw the importance of repetitious teaching um, and why that's important. Uh, Disciples, a.k.a. mature believers, are those who appreciate repetitious teaching. One of the signs that immaturity is operating in our lives is that we lose focus when we hear teaching that we have heard before. That's immaturity. That's the, because what it says is, I know this. And you're not telling that to the minister, you're telling that to the Lord. Does that make sense? Because this, this relationship is between us and him. And it says, uh, we, we saw that that was you know, obviously uh, a sign of immaturity that we would need to work on. Um, we also saw that we are to watch out for false teachers, which Paul affectionately called dogs and evil workers and the mutilation. And he was not being friendly. (laughs) He was, they're dogs, you know what I mean? This isn't like what Jesus told uh, the Syrophoenician woman, because that was like a, it actually wasn't a complete derogatory term to her. It was like the little dogs in in the Greek is what it really was. In other words, they would have been more like a household dog. This is like the rabid dogs in the street. He's calling the Judaizers who would come in after he would preach grace, who would try and apply legalism to the grace message. Oh yeah, Jesus is your Savior, but you have to do this too to get into heaven, to really be saved. He called them dogs, evil workers, and mutilation. That's what he called them. Um, It's interesting that Paul you know, knew so much about the Old Testament and he called circumcision mutilation when in the Old Testament it was hallowed. Does that make sense? So that shows you how hard the covenant turned from the old to the new. Amen? All right. So we saw that. And so I want to pick up here in verse 3 and, it, and we're talking about putting no confidence in the flesh. So Paul said this, he said, For we are the circumcision, this is Philippians 3, 3, who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. For we are, I want to break this verse down just a little bit, we are the circumcision. So if you're taking notes, let's just take that first section of, 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 uh, of that verse there. For we are the circumcision. This is an explanation of the previous phrase, beware of the concision. Those who have accepted the Lord as Savior are the circumcision. What, it does, what, what is done to our bodies may help us in the physical or natural realms, but will not help us spiritually. Did you catch that? See, God sees us as already spiritually circumcised in the heart. Okay, so let's confirm that with some scriptures. Romans chapter 2, you can jot these down if you want. Verse number 28, Romans chapter 2, verse 28, and I'm going to go all the way through uh, verse 29, and you can jot these down, and then I think, yeah, they'll put them up on the screen for you if you want to look, look up. Um, he says this, for he, Paul wrote this by the Spirit of God, for he is not a Jew who is one, what? outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. 
Colossians chapter 2, if you want to jot this one down as another reference. Verse 11, in him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, of Christ. So circumcision in the New Testament is a type of the law, and it includes those who live by the law in an attempt to earn salvation. Anyone who has added works to the plan of salvation or spirituality is of the concision or the circumcision. So in other words, let me, let me put it to you like this. People say, we're a Christian group. Well, how do you get to heaven? Well, I have to do these things. Wrong. You, the, the way you get to heaven is by grace through faith and that not of yourselves. You cannot, I cannot earn my way through the pearly gates. Impossible. Impossible. I can't be good at What am I going to trade God with? Lord, I walk the old lady across the street once. What Boy Scout good deed am I going to do? Amen. Nope. Nothing. Jesus, that's it. I believe in what you did. I'm in. Okay? Now, I'm gonna, we're going to hit that hard, but I'm not downplaying good works if it's just how they're done, basically. There are a whole lot of people that think they're getting somewhere uh, under their good works, and they're actually producing very little to nothing because they're not done by grace. In other words, our total salvation is dependent on God. He has provided everything for us, even our works of righteousness Come from the provision of His grace. Even our works of righteousness come from the provision of His grace. We are earning zilch. This is hard for good old Americans who love credit. Well, you don't know how hard I worked on that. I know you wouldn't be working hard at all if God didn't give you life. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. But this is understanding grace is such a freeing thing because you realize I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means you can rest in your physical body while you're working hard in His energy. You know, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Some people are like sweating bullets. I wonder if they'll recover. It's not your responsibility. <laughs> See, you're trying to do it instead of functioning from the do within you. The grace is there. The grace is there. Do you know there's enough grace for you to live and walk in full freedom in Christ? Like not have one worry day. What a goal, right? You think Jesus ever, you know, in, in everything that he, what are we going to do, guys? The Pharisees want to kill me. <laughs> we got to devise a plan. <laughs> Peter, you're going to stand on this side because you got a temper. 
your brothers, John, you know, the sons of thunder, you're over here. I need three in the back, four in the front. All right, two on. <laughs> he wasn't concerned about that. You know, we looked at it a little bit on uh, Sunday, talking about pride and humility. And we looked at what Jesus shared and what happened in his own hometown in Mark. But if you go to the account in Luke, they drove him out of the temple to the brow of the hill. It's the same account, just more detail because Luke's a doctor. You know, everything's got to be detailed when you're a doctor. So drove him all the way out to the brow of the hill, and we're going to throw him off. And nobody, he didn't have a bodyguard. He didn't have security. Security, you know, <laughs> he didn't <laughs> remove these people. They're trying to kill me for me claiming to be the son of God. You can't, you know. He walked through the midst of them. Now, would that be a weird experience? You're mad. You have a mob. You know where to throw people off when you want to kill them. So you take them to that hill. And you walk him all the way out there. And then he just walks through you. And he's not there anymore. Because when you're in the... There's no security like being in God's will. Amen? So it's by grace. Everything is by grace in that sense. The second part of this verse, who worship God in the Spirit. And a better translation, if you want to jot this down in your notes, I think this will help you in understanding this verse. I, I saw this and I thought this was very, uh, it helped me a lot. So I hope it helps you as well. It says, which worship God in the Spirit should literally read, who worship by the Spirit of God. Who worship by the Spirit of God. That's what it actually says in the Greek. So this is the function of our priesthood in the world. We offer spiritual service to the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's one thing to worship God, quote-unquote, in the flesh. It's another thing if you're, if you're doing it as a, as a, from, a, from a supply of grace back to Him, which is really what worship is, because we've received everything. So even, everything that we have to take, we give back to Him, Right? So it's an act of faith in his grace. In the Old Testament, the Jewish nation was considered to be the nation of, the, of circumcision, the ones chosen to offer up the sacrifices and spiritual service to the Lord. Now in the New Testament, the church stands in that place, every believer, worshiping God in spirit and in truth. God has chosen the church as a new nation, a new people until the coming of the Lord Jesus. Isn't that powerful? John chapter 4, verse number 24 talks about worshiping in the Spirit. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10 talk about the same. And I'm going to skip over, over that. I'm not going to read those passages. The next part of the verse says this, Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Rejoice means to boast. It means to glory in Christ Jesus. Our bragging is never in ourselves or about what we have done, but in the Lord Jesus and what He has done in and for us. And we have no confidence in the flesh. We don't put our trust in the flesh. As we turn towards something, we also turn away from the flesh. As we turn toward grace, as we turn toward the Lord, we turn away from our flesh. You know, sometimes people be, well, I just don't understand. I just don't, my kids, I don't know what I'm going to do with my kids. I got my kid and they're, they're, you need to turn toward the Lord because as a parent, you're grace to parent. There is an anointing to parent. 
And it, the, the instructions are in the Word. Of course they are. We know that. But you actually are empowered not to wear out because of your kids. Because the Lord has empowered. He knew what you were getting. He gave them to you. I've made this joke so many times, and I, think it's still, I still think it's funny. You know, people are like, Lord, you know, bless them, you know. But Lord, we want kids, we want kids, we want kids. And then they get the kids and they're like, somebody want to take my kids? <laughs> people are like, I need a break. Can you imagine the early church? I'm sure they had people going around and there were commercials if, you know, on billboards. If they had billboards, I don't even know what they had. <laughs> you know, moms, are you tired? Do you need some me time? I'm not sure they had that. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes we're tired because we're talking our situation instead of our anointing. I've done it. Amen? Instead of what God has provided for us. So we turn from the flesh, we turn to the Lord. We know the flesh is still unredeemed and is no more capable of pleasing the Lord after salvation than it was before. Amen. Since the Lord has no confidence in our flesh, neither should we. Amen. Our faith, all of our faith and expectation are in Christ and what he accomplished for us in the will of God. Our faith rests in his grace for our eternity and in our good works here on earth. We must put no confidence in the flesh. We do not work in the new covenant to earn, but rather we work in the new covenant because Christ has given us the ability to do so. In other words, I'm not going to, you know, every, the Lord may go, oh, Sean, good job. You, you responded out of grace in that situation. You know, you, you, you responded the way you were supposed to concerning this person, this situation, your money, your health, your whatever the case may be, your relatives, whatever it is. You responded in grace. Good job. I'm pleased with that. But I can't respond correctly and go, God, did that earn me something? I can't earn something that's already been fully supplied. And that's what grace did. Pride loves, human pride loves to be the source. Well, it was my brains. I'm super smart. Maybe. But you didn't get super smart on your own. The Lord gave you the ability. Amen? The Lord gives us the ability. All right. Verse 4. Let's go down to verse 4. We'll get another verse in here. Paul now, at this point in verse 4, um, he goes into talking about confidence in the flesh. So he's actually arguing with the Judaizers. He's saying, okay, you guys want to put confidence in the flesh? Let's talk about it. And he's going to argue the case from the other side and destroy what some of the Philippians were beginning to take on and take in in taking on Jewish tradition. So he says this, verse 4, Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks uh, he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. So there are two things in this verse that stand out. The first statement is, Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, 
Paul could have stood head and shoulders above those who came against him all of his ministry. The problem is that confidence in a person's own power, personality, and education is arrogance. God cannot stand arrogance. Did you know that? And he resists this type of person. If you don't believe that, you can go to Proverbs 3.34, James 4.6, and 1 Peter 5.5, and they'll all tell you that God resists a proud person. He resists a proud person. The second truth that we see here is he, he makes this statement, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. This is a reference to the false Jewish teachers and prophets. They think they have a lot to brag about, but have not stopped to consider Paul and his background. Paul was a top celebrity in his field during the time he was a Pharisee. He was a head dog in that group. In other words, these dogs were coming through the area and preaching that you had to do all of these Old Testament works, plus believe in Jesus in order to be saved. I really do believe Paul was frustrated with this, especially with the strong language that he used concerning them. I don't know about you, but I know of Christians who have become immersed in Old Testament things to the point that they think they have to live and dress like them. That is a lie. People are like, well, I have all these things. They're fine. It's a type and shadow of what is to come. But if you think that you're closer to Jesus because you wear a cap than me, you're wrong. You've actually put yourself further away from a close relationship and fellowship. Because now you've added what? I've got to do this and this and this. It makes my Christianity more exciting. If the, if the revelation of Christ within you is not exciting enough, I, I don't know what to do for you. I don't, I don't know what to do. If your fellowship with the Lord is not, if your individual relationship with the Lord is not vivacious, you know what I mean? If it doesn't have vigor in it and strength, and when you go to read the Word and the Holy Spirit speaks to you, and faith comes every day and strength comes every day, I don't know about you. But my best times with the Lord are not in church. They're not in worship service. They're by myself with Him. I fellowship with Him in the Spirit. This word is spirit and life. You, you know, preachers, sometimes people think, yeah, i got to get the preacher to pray for me. The best thing I can do for you is get you to know your Savior. That's the best thing I can do. Because then you'll experience what I experience. And, I, and trust me, I'm not going to go backwards. There is no way. The closer I get to him, the more, I, the more you, you know him, there are things he says to me and I've experienced that I've never told anybody. And I may not. Because it's my relationship with him. People are like, I want to know. Then go be intimate with him. Amen. Be intimate with him. Talk to him. Speak to him in the car. Speak to him when you're at work. Speak to him. Talk to fellowship with him. Just stop in the middle of what you're doing. If you're at work and you don't want to do it out loud, just say, Father God, I just bless you. I love you. You're so good to me. These people I work with are crazy, Lord. Save them. <laughs> Jesus, they need, they need their brains to be reordered. 
Oh, glory to God. One more verse. Let's do one more. You want to do one more? I want to do one more. Okay. So now he goes into, this is this next section, Paul's going to start nailing everything that he did prior to being saved. Now, at the end of it, he calls it all poop. <laughs> but here he's using, he's like, well, if you want to argue this way, okay, I'll argue this way. And it's actually a debater's technique. He's using a technique to argue back what they're saying. So circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews concerning the law, a Pharisee. So what do we see here? Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the nationality of Israel. Although the Philippians were Gentiles, many had been circumcised after coming to the Lord. Some did this for spiritual reasons, supposing that following after Jewish customs would make them more spiritual. This happens today as well. We just talked about that. Paul lets them know that if they follow after laws, rules, and regulations for spirituality, someone can always outperform them. Always. You know, you could go to somebody, I prayed for three hours today, and they'll say, well, I prayed four. Oh, great, now i got to do another hour, and I don't know how I'm, I had my schedule all written out. <laughs> Paul was not circumcised as many of the Philippians were late in life, but on the eighth day, as the Scriptures prescribe in the Old Testament. So who's more spiritual now? Paul was not a Gentile who received circumcision, but he was a naturally born Jew. I'm not. I'm a naturally born mutt. You say, what do you mean? Norwegian, Danish, Scottish, Irish, everything white. Really white. <laughs> so now what? In other words, I can't earn it by the law. Paul's statement about circumcision would also be impressive to the Jews as circumcision was the first issue they pushed when it came to keep the law for salvation or spirituality. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. The tribe of Benjamin was the warrior tribe. This was the tribe who put the first king, Saul, on the throne of Israel. They were loyal to David during the revolution, and they were part of the southern kingdom and were a very stable tribe. So it was a big deal. So God's got to accept me. I mean, we came from the stable tribe. A Hebrew of Hebrews. This is a reference to Jewish nationalism and patriotism. Paul was from the conservative Hebrew culture as opposed to the liberal Hellenistic culture. Paul was, was stating that he grew up in a home where only Hebrew and Aramaic were used. Paul was born to parents who could trace their history through the pages of Israel's history. Paul had an Israeli bloodline. So who's better now? And then he says this, as touching the law, a Pharisee, or concerning the law. This was Paul's religious background. To be from the tribe of Benjamin was a great thing in the nation of Israel. To be a religious Pharisee was icing on the cake. The Pharisees were the most noted of the religious crowd in Israel. It took much study and diligence to be a member of the Pharisees. Pharisees prided themselves in strict separation from the world. 
Pharisees devoted themselves to the Mosaic law and the oral traditions of the rabbis. They dedicated themselves to achieving righteousness by carefully observing the law. Their motivation for adherence to the law, both written and oral, was their hope of being raised from the dead. As a Pharisee, Paul was so zealous that he actively sought out members of the fledgling church in order to destroy it. Many Pharisees believed that the Messiah would come once the world was in submission to the law. It is entirely possible, therefore, that Paul's persecution of the church was driven by a desire to see the Messiah come. I've often thought this, and when I started reading the history on it, I thought, yeah, I can see that. I can see why he was so motivated and what he thought he was fulfilling something in order to bring his Messiah. He missed his Messiah. In this regard, Paul's theology was changed through his encounter with the risen Christ on the road to Damascus, where he was confronted by the very Messiah whom he thought he was serving. Isn't that interesting? And at that moment, Jesus said, I'm here, I'm the Savior, choose me or die. People think, oh, no, it wasn't that way. No, it was that way. Because really, and historians believe this, and it's, you can kind of see it in regards, to, uh, um, in regards to what Paul was accomplishing. People, the, the scripture, Jesus said this. I heard a minister say this. I thought, this is, this is a good connection. Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. But Paul was succeeding with the gates of hell <laughs> against the church. And so Jesus was like, we got to put a stop, stop to this now. I mean, if you need Jesus to show up, you're in trouble. You know, most people just respond to an altar call. <laughs> Paul, Paul had to be knocked off his donkey. You know what I mean? He was highly motivated. And then he got the revelation of grace. And we'll, we can't finish this tonight, obviously. I really want to. Just go three, four hours. I don't care. But, but I'm not going to do that. But, but we see, we'll see as we continue through this, and it's only a couple of verses that really talk about his, you know, r- religious accomplishments and things like that. But as, we, as we're walking through this, you'll see, all of a sudden, the, the grace of God will just expanding, even if you know it, it'll just keep growing and growing and growing. And you'll go, Lord. And he goes, yeah, it's favor. But Lord, there's got to be something I can do. Yeah, you can if you do it from my power. If you're just doing, you know, like I'll I'll have, I've heard people say this. I like to do things, good things, because it makes me feel good. You haven't tapped grace yet. Grace is so powerful that it will physically die for you even if you don't respond. I said it, but I don't know if we get it yet. Grace is so powerful. The love of God, the grace of God is so powerful that it will walk up, it will put itself on the earth and, and do amazing miracles. I mean, which of Jesus' amazing teachings and miracles earned him death on a cross? And yet we, that's how humanity is without him. 
So we have the ability to actually give our lives and really love them not even unto death, you know what I mean? To the point of death, we, we have that ability within, it just has to be developed. How many think that you could walk in that kind of grace in your own effort? You need the revelation, you need the empowerment, you need the vision, you need everything that the Lord, you have got to lay over wholly on him and just boom. All right, here we go. I'm willing, I'll move, you lead. Amen? Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.